You've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm gonna say that, did you? Your move, creep. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the Film Feast podcast. I am your host Matt Bledsoe, uh, and this week we are talking about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind from 2004. Uh, to help me talk about it, I'm happy to be joined by someone I'm very happy to welcome back to the podcast. Um, she is a frequent contributor to F This Movie, as well as the host of the Blu-ray Boutique podcast. It's Rosalie Lewis. Rosalie, how you doing? I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks so much for inviting me on to talk about really one of my favorite movies. I am very excited to talk to you about it because I'll be honest with you. I was two things. I was looking for an excuse to have you back on the podcast <laughs> and I was doing some letterbox stalking and I, I, cause I watched this movie a couple months ago probably. And I said, who loves this movie? And I think you gave it not to jump way ahead here. I believe five stars. And I was like, well, oh yeah, <laughs> Rosalie is the person to call about this one. So thank you again for accepting coming back on because it'd been a while we talked about like the, the domino episode which i think yeah was, i think that's the last one or may i don't remember it feels like it's it feels like so long ago it was this year but it feels like forever yeah. ago but um so yeah the first time not talking tony scott with you saying very different than a typical tony scott movie <laughs> but yeah not talking tony scott not talking noir which is another topic that frequently comes up on podcasts i do so this is a nice little opportunity to do something different <laughs> and the thought had crossed my mind to ask you about doing some kind of noir episode and then I thought maybe Rosalie wants to talk about something not noir waiter because it's like that's uh <laughs> kind of your thing but I was maybe she'll want it is noir vember but I was like let's really break off and do something different uh so yeah. I'm glad you're excited about it this also I confirm with our friend Anthony King this is a sad vember movie through and through nice so perfect timing <laughs> so um but yes, thank you for coming back. Um, and uh, first time being on a non-unscottable episode, so you've not got to do, I usually ask people what they've seen lately, stuff they've seen that they've liked or didn't like or uh, whatever it may be. So uh, two or three things you want to talk about? Yeah, so um, I the most recent new release that I've seen was Weird, the Weird Al Yankovic story. And I don't know if you're a Weird Al fan I am, um, and so is my partner. So we watched it on the Roku channel where it's streaming and it was very entertaining. And of course is not so much a biopic as a mockumentary of biopics uh, starring Daniel Radcliffe and lots of cameos from all kinds of, you know, celebrities, comedians, musicians. It re really runs the gamut. Um, and it's, it's a really fun movie. Uh, don't go in with like, you know, expectations of learning any details about the real Weird Al's <laughs> life, because you won't. Um, almost everything about it is fictional, um, but it's really fun. So that was an enjoyable one. And then I have been watching a little bit of film noir, 
being that it's Marvember. And so the most recent one that I watched, um, actually was mentioned on Pure Cinema recently as well. And it was He Ran All the Way, which is this little movie. I, I can't imagine it had a huge budget. Um, came out in 1951 with Shelley Winters and John Garfield. And basically John Garfield plays this guy who is in a robbery that's sort of a small time robbery. It's not supposed to be super high stakes or anything, but things go wrong as they always do in a film noir. And he ends up uh, shooting a cop to get away and his partner gets shot as well. And so he's trying to figure out how he can hide out with his loot, ends up um, having the genius idea of going to the public swimming pool because, you know, he will have to strip down and like probably look totally different than his description. And so he goes to a very crowded public pool. He meets Shelly Winters and gives her an impromptu swim lesson. And then she invites him back to her place where, you know, he meets her family who are going out for the evening to see a movie. And so he gets this, you know, kind of genius idea, I guess, to hide out at her house and ends up taking the family hostage. And the movie plays out in this really interesting way because there's this conflict of, you do feel sorry for him. You know, he's in this tough situation, but he's also, you know, doing this to this family who didn't ask for this. And in the meantime, Shelley Winter's character is kind of falling for him. It's not Stockholm syndrome. She really had like that magnetic attraction to him back at the pool and she must see something, you know, vulnerable in him that she cares about. And so it has this sort of doomed love story aspect to it as well that I really liked. And it's also just really tense. And, you know, anytime you have a hostage situation where you're shooting in primarily one location, it's a really good formula for building up the tension. So I really liked it. Um, he ran all the way and I believe it's currently streaming on Criterion channel, though I don't know when this will air or if it'll still be there at the time. I was going to ask, cause yeah, I looked on IDB yeah. to add to my list immediately. I was like, well, this sounds cool. Uh, and it's just, yeah. it's one of those things where it doesn't show that it's even like you could pay to rent it on Amazon. Usually it shows that on IDB. So I was going right. to, I would have guessed Criterion cause I feel like they have some stuff that is harder to see sometimes like that. Right. And they're doing a lot of noir for, you know, for the month. So yeah, hopefully if you catch it before end of this month anyway, um, you should be able to see it on the Criterion channel, but definitely worth worth a watch. And then uh, I rewatched Matchpoint, which I think definitely falls into the sad Vember category. Um, <laughs> it's a really good, I, I want to call it a thriller, but it's so um, deliberately paced that that's probably not the right word. But essentially, you know, you've got early Scarlett Johansson, early Jonathan Rhys Myers, Ryan Cox, Emily Mortimer, and it's set in uh, London or, you know, somewhere in England, I should say. Basically, it's kind of a, um, I don't know, it's almost like a Ripley story in a way, like a talented Mr. Ripley, because uh, Jonathan Rhys Myers' character comes from a not so wealthy background, and he's sort of trying to ease his way into wealthier society by being a tennis coach to rich people. And I think tennis is kind of the British people's version of golf. That's what I've come to believe. <laughs> Sounds right. Yeah. Um, sorry, British people. Sorry, golfers. So, sorry, tennis players all around. I know nothing about any of these things. Um, but essentially, he meets Scarlett, her character, and uh, she's going out with Matthew Good at the time. And so, but they have like a flirtation and Emily Mortimer is Matthew Good's sister and she starts falling for Jonathan Riz Meyer. So it's kind of another thing where obviously Scarlett and Jonathan Riz Meyer's have an attraction, but they can't really be together. But of course, 
things happen anyway. And um, it gets very dark. It gets very, uh, you know, kind of like a psychological thriller in a way, but also just kind of an interesting study of human nature and you know, the way that we behave when we start to feel like we're getting cornered in, and even if that's of our own doing. So I really enjoyed revisiting this one. Um, it moved up from a three and a half star to a five star for me. And uh, I really, really quite enjoyed it. So that one is also streaming on all the usual places. And um, I think well worth a rewatch if you haven't seen it in a while or if you've never seen it. I've never seen. It. I remember like it coming out. It was like it was kind of a big deal. I feel like when it came out, but um, yeah, I feel like people don't talk about that one as much anymore. But I definitely remember it because yeah. the ca cast is pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen the Noir. Uh, he ran all the way, so two for the list. Uh, <laughs> it's like throw them on awesome. the everybody watch list. So um, yes. I'm doing what have you been bad. watching lately, Matt? Well, I've done a very bad job with Noir Vember. I, I feel like <laughs> every year I tell myself, all right, I'm gonna do a better job watching more film noirs november <laughs> like i'm gonna watch them anytime but i'm like you know it's noir november yeah. i've watched exactly one uh right. <laughs> which which was on the criterion channel um because they do have a lot of noirs on there um mm -hmm. uh this one is called this gun for hire oh um, i love this gun for hire okay i, I was gonna ask you if you'd seen it so yeah it's uh alan ladd and veronica lake who i guess made a lot of movies together it seemed like mm -hmm. they were a, yeah. a, a pair um very like just simple noir i feel like but i liked it i did like it i'll say that um just alan lad's like this killer for hire whose name's like raven say so really cool <laughs> like, yeah. and uh he he does this job and his boss double crosses him and he goes on the run and runs into veronica lake who happens to be engaged or dating uh one of the police officers or the detective somebody who's investigating alan lads there's this crossover there um and she's trying to help him i guess I, you know and trying to he's still on the run and you know it's it's a very tight it's like one of those like hour 15 minute or hour 20 minute noirs <laughs> and uh but alan ladd and veronica lake are great i i think i'm becoming a big veronica lake fan i was like i need to watch more for her movies <laughs> uh and <laughs> Yeah, and I think they have a whole thing for her on Criterion right now too. Actually, they have a whole section for Veronica Lake movie. <laughs> so yeah, um, great yeah, opportunity I mean, if you can find the time. Yeah, it's a very tight noir that you know, kind of fatalistic, is dark, downbeat, but very good. Mm -hmm. Um, not much to say about because it it's so, it's just so straightforward and simple, which is fine sometimes because the performances are good and all that. But that's I think the only noir I've watched the whole month. So um, I still well, have time. We still have. Days, right? You can fit a few things in in the next That's 10. True. Maybe you can watch a noir on Thanksgiving or something instead of football. That'll go over well with the family. <laughs> right? Yeah. Hey, hey, family, <laughs> sit down. I got a Veronica Lake movie for you. Uh, <laughs> turn the TV off. Uh, they'll be very upset if I do that. <laughs> yeah. Put the game back on. Um, but uh, yeah. um, so that was my one noir. A couple other things I've seen, though. Um, I've, I've been all over the place. I came out of October like very burned out on horror. I think I mentioned the last mm -hmm. one which I do to myself almost every October because I just watch so much of it. So I've gone yeah. like every direction. I really haven't had a, a theme or anything. It's just like, watch this, watch that. Um, but I have been, I want to be in like a Spike Lee mode. I have, I love Spike Lee, but he still has yeah. so many movies I have not seen. Cause he's made a lot of movies. Um, I, I knocked a big one off the list and it's, it's one I put off forever because it's super long. He, Malcolm X, which. Ooh, I haven't seen that one yet. It's like three, it's almost three and a half hours long. It is an yeah. epic 
biopic when like to me when i hear three hour long biography i'm like oh like but it's like it's spike lee it's denzel who was nominated i believe but did not win which is now that i've seen the movie absolutely insane and he he lost to al pacino over scent of a woman which i love al pacino but that's his i'm sorry (laughs) i know that's horrible to say i watched that well within the last year and i was like this is the movie people think is so good I'm sorry, I did not like it. <laughs> I've seen bits and pieces of it on TV over the years, and that's his hoo movie. That's where he goes, like, yeah. full, like, hoo Like, it says his, and, and, like, Denzel, I read a, some, a uh, thing when he lost Malcolm X. He seemed like he totally mm-hmm. got it. He's like, he's like, he knows how the business works, and he's like, Al Pacino been nominated, like, seven or eight times for that, and that was, like, his sure. makeup Oscar. Um, but they could have given it to him for Serpico, or Godfather, or I mean, there was dozens, so many movies, movies. but they were like, here, here's your makeup Oscar, and Denzel got his makeup Oscar years later for Training Day, even though I think he's good in Training Day, but the the Academy seems to love big, flashy performances, like that seems to be their their thing, and um, so yeah, when I read that, I was like, jaw on the floor, dumbfounded, because Denzel's amazing in Malcolm X, and it may be the best I've ever seen him in anything, and the movie's incredible, um, it's like I, I'd still say I like Do the Right Thing better, but this may be like Spike Lee's that I've seen best directed movie because he's I don't know how he pulls this thing off. It's like this three and a half hour yeah. long movie using all these different techniques, um, getting so much information in there. I mean, I know he has it's a long movie, but he's still like all these different points of Malcolm X's life. And I learned way more about Malcolm X that movie than I ever learned in school because as we, he is not taught in public schools like hardly at all it's like they it's like a, yeah. you know, they wave their hands like uh Martin Jr all this stuff at him and then like oh and Malcolm X was there too and he was a little more intense than you know like, mm-hmm. a little more and they just kind of hand wave him away but um right. it's a fascinating life um and just so many different phases of his life that he went through and um you know he evolved how he evolved as a person um it's it, it was great i was kind of blown away by that movie like it's uh if you have the time set aside the time to finally watch malcolm x that sounds like a really good way to spend some time i know um watching one night in miami i don't know if you've seen that one that came out in 2020 there's a little bit of malcolm x in that which made me think yeah i really should watch malcolm x finally because i will admit that i don't know as much about him as i should and you know, who better to tell that story than Spike Lee. So it's been on my list for a long time, but you're right. The runtime, um, unfortunately for me, was a little bit of a barrier. So hearing you say it's worth it, like that's the push I need. It will definitely be checked. intimidating that runtime. <laughs> like yeah. you, you go, I could watch two, two and a half movies in that time, <laughs> you know, two normal right. like movies. I could watch, I could probably watch three noirs in that time. <laughs> but True, oh. maybe four if you're really going through the B movies. <laughs> so yeah. So, but yeah, well, I, I have this thing. I had a thing when COVID kind of first started, like kind of, we started locking down. I was like, I should really watch some of these like epic longer movies I'm putting off because I have the time I'm working at home. Um, I didn't really do a good job of it, but I feel like I'm like reinvigorated. Like I'm going to go watch yeah. Deer Hunter now and like Heaven's Game, yeah. but, like, but uh, we'll see if I stick with it. But it's yeah. like, um, so trying to, what else? Okay, what else I see? A couple newer things I saw. I finally saw Pearl. The follow-up. Mm, to, the I liked that one. How'd you like it? I I liked it. I don't know if I quite liked as much as other people I know. I I mm-hmm. but I thought I agree with everybody. Mia Goth is amazing. 
um, in that movie. I thought she was fantastic. Uh, yeah. One of those performances every year, people were like, oh, she should get an Oscar. And I'm sitting there like, I, I know she won't. She won't. <laughs> she but... won't. But it's like, you know, it's she carries the whole movie. Because I by the end, I was really thinking like, wow, this has only had a few other actors in it at all. Because I know they shot it, I think, during COVID. And he did it as like, almost like a supplement to actually had extra time. He wrote the script when he was like, I think, uh, uh, he had COVID or he was locked down or something. So he wrote the yeah. script and was like, let's just do that. We're here. Let's just shoot this other movie, this whole other movie. And A24 was like, okay, here's like a million or $2 million, very small budget and go, go make this movie. And uh, yeah, there's not a lot of other people in the movie besides Mia Goth. So it rides on her and she carries it. It's, it is, it is pretty great. I like X a little more, actually. I think X a little more my speed, but like, I mean, Pearl was fun. Pearl was a good time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I'm the opposite. I liked X not as much as everybody else, but Pearl, I really got on board with. Um, and it totally makes sense that you say this was a COVID movie because if you think about it, like her circumstances, she's very isolated, she's very lonely. And that's how we were all feeling in the throes of COVID, right? With lockdown, you can't go socialize with people you know and love. And you go a little crazy, right? And so I think <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Maybe that wormed its way into some of the themes of the movie. And yeah, I was kind of, blown. I thought it was very creative of him that he sets it during 1918 when I believe we had the Spanish flu going on. Exactly. And there's a whole scene where she goes like into town and is wearing a mask. And I think yep. that was their workaround to like, we can't have everybody wearing masks because this is during yeah. the Spanish flu, you know, hundred plus years ago. I was like, that was very clever of him. <laughs> so, it was very clever for sure. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, I was just kind of blown away. Like, wow, he did a great job for kind of throwing this together kind of, well, I don't want to say last minute, but he kind of like, it was almost like, oh, let's do this. And then he has a yeah. small budget and, you know, it was, yeah. So I, I definitely enjoyed Pearl. I just thought, I've, I've seen a lot of people say they like it more than X. And I felt like, because I was the opposite. I'm like, oh, I guess I didn't like it quite as much, but I still really liked yeah. it. So yeah. um, last thing I'll mention is the the big new Marvel movie. Uh, I saw Black Panther Wakanda Forever, um, which I... I thought was actually really good. Um, oh, cool. I I have been a little down, like a lot of people, on some of the Marvel stuff <laughs> recently. Um, and I knew this was going to be different just because of the whole Chadwick Boseman situation mm -hmm. and how would they handle that. And um, I, I, I agree with a lot of the criticism I've seen where it's like, it's very long. Um, it's almost three hours. Um, Malcolm X, longer in this movie, moves better at three and a half hours. Mm -hmm. So it's a little... It's a little disjointed because they're trying to do a lot of things because um, that's a Marvel. It's already a Marvel movie where they always have. We have right. to set something up and we've got but they have to deal with the death of Chadwick Boseman. And the, the way they handle that, I think, is actually pretty beautiful. Um, uh, doing it in in the movie, obviously, in real life, we know they're really dealing with him passing away. I thought that's right. how it's handled like very gracefully by them. Like it's it was oh, good. it was pretty. I, my theater was like dead quiet during the. Mm -hmm the opening prologue and um, the Marvel like logo they usually show was just all Chadwick Boseman this time. And theater was just like, you could hear a pin drop. I think everyone was very like, it, it hit people like it really. Um, yeah. So that stuff's all great. Then they have to go do all the big, you know, world building stuff. <laughs> it's like, eh, I don't know. It, there's a lot going on. I don't envy them for having to try to make this movie under the circumstances they did, but I thought the stuff that works really works um mm -hmm. trying to think oh boy i don't know it's just kind of this some of the there's stuff that like uh with um is it martin freeman 
from the Hobbit movies who's played yeah. with the sea. Okay. His stuff, he has some scenes with, I don't think it's a spoiler. Sorry, buddy. Uh, there's a, there's been a character who's been popping up like the new Nick Fury played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Uh, Louis um, and she has a lot of scenes of Martin Freeman and their scenes seem so isolated and separated from anything else in the movie that it's like, why are these here? They kind of stop the movie dead in its tracks when they go to them. Um, there's some wonky CGI. Like that's been a problem for a while now. Like some of the underwater stuff and some of the nighttime stuff looks so mm -hmm. dark that I'm like, squinting to see what's happening <laughs> like yeah. uh, so you know the common kind of problems that most marvel movies have but the stuff right. that works really does work um the stuff that doesn't work it's like ooh, that didn't hit but you know i think overall i did really like it uh i just i'm curious where and i didn't want them to do a bunch of like there wasn't as much setting up future stuff in this one which i'm kind of glad they did because they got to focus on right. the story they're telling um but yeah, I'm kind of curious where they go forward because I feel like Ant-Man is next and I think they're going to finally set up some of their bigger Marvel stuff that like for the mm -hmm. next big uh, Secret Wars, I believe it is. But um, yeah, they've been in a weird place for a while, Marvel. I don't know how much of a superhero movie fan you are, Rosalie. But, um, well, I used to watch all of them like pretty faithfully. And then, I don't know, somewhere in the last couple of years, I was just kind of at my peak. Like I couldn't appreciate them anymore to the level I was before. So I decided to kind of just intentionally take a break and, you know, I'll come back to it when I feel like I'm in the mood and maybe I'll enjoy them more. I don't want to start watching them only because a new one came out. You know what I mean? Right, right. Cause I was getting to that point where it felt more like an obligation than something I was having fun with. So uh, this is one that I might make an exception for and go see it in the theater. Cause I really loved black Panther and, you know, I'm, I am curious to see how they tell that story without him. So um, that one I may I may make an exception since it'll probably be in theaters for a little while. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say it's worth going to theaters for. I'm sure I'm Disney. It'll be on Disney Plus in a couple months or yeah. so. But uh, yeah, and Ryan Coogler is still one of the guys I feel like that breaks his personality breaks through more and his directing style breaks through a little more with when do his Marvel stuff than some of the other directors. I feel like they're trying to try to beat the style out of people. <laughs> like, right. But but some of this looks really really good too. I mean, it's a weird mix. Like yeah, some of the stuff he shoots is beautiful, and then sometimes you do this mm -hmm. like underwater stuff and 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 night shooting and it doesn't look good and it's just the sea like it's just weird it's just the whole thing's kind of a mixed bag but saying all that i still do really like it it's just like know what you're in for basically right right well maybe all the water people that could do that really well are working on avatar and that's why they were really busy. It's funny because there's blue people in this too come around underwater. Oh, really? Like, yeah. That's so I bet funny. James Cameron was, he's like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. All under the same umbrella now too. So, um, True. well, yeah, that was, that was really all I'd seen lately. Um, I've been all over the place myself that I'm watching, but it's been good. It's been good. I just watch whatever, just grab stuff off the shelf or scroll. And I'm like, I want to watch that now. <laughs> so Yeah, that's the best. Um, Okay, so now I guess we can start talking about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, a movie I just finally watched this year uh, after knowing about it literally since it came out in 04 because it was a big deal, nominated for a couple Oscars, like caught a lot of buzz. Um, I can tell you why I've been avoiding it for years because... Yeah, tell me. Okay, uh, yeah, just because <laughs> I, I, I had the whole... Okay. I think I don't know why I missed it when I was younger because 04 was like literally I think like the year I felt like I was getting to like independent movies like you know mm -hmm. I was literally driving farther away to certain theaters to go see stuff that was 
Like I remember Garden State was a big deal in 04. Yeah. <laughs> like I made course. a trip. I made a trip for that one. But somehow this one got by me and I never rented it at any point. And then it became a thing where I knew what it was about. And I I don't think I ever felt like I was emotionally tough enough to, to handle no. it. I'm like, I need to be in a good relationship and then watch this movie and feel very secure, which I've been mm-hmm. in for like the past year and a half with my girlfriend. And I was like, now's the time I can finally watch it. And then it almost was worse to do that because that's what it is. <laughs> right? It's like, oh no, this is whole level of like, what is this person really think about me that they aren't saying Mm -hmm. and all the stuff that's unsaid and what would come out if there was a breakup and I'm like oh god no there's never a good time to watch this but it's very destabilizing yeah it's very (laughs) destabilizing but I loved it but I absolutely loved it but I'll I'll let you I'll go back to you now because I want to hear your thoughts because you sound like you love this movie um have you do you see it like when it first came out or was it (laughs) I saw it um kind of before it first came out because at the time I was writing and I was co-editing the student newspaper at my community college. And I somehow got sent passes to like a promotional screening that they were doing or a test screening they were doing in downtown Chicago. And I didn't know much about the the movie. I just knew that it had Kate Winslet, it had Jim Carrey and it was on focus features. And I knew I liked focus features because they'd put out some other things I was interested in. So I was like, sure, I'll go down to the city and make a day of it. And so, I watched, I went into the screening. I remember I had to pee beforehand and I <laughs> I was like, why didn't I go before? But anyways, that's one thing that I remember is kind of sitting through it like, oh my God. But at the same time, it was so worth it because I was just transfixed by this movie from the very get-go. The music was gorgeous. The story it was telling, like I was, you know, I was younger then, um, 23, but I think it's one of those stories that just has an instant emotional core to it that even if you haven't experienced what these characters are going through, you can relate on some level to what do people really think about me or what what do I project into the world and what memories am I hanging on to that are, are hurting me versus the ones that I'd like to not think about. You know, it's a very kind of deep um, psychological movie in a way. And so, I really loved it. I told everybody they had to go see it. I'm pretty sure I wrote a positive review in the student newspaper. I'm sure, you know, I wish I still had it, but, um, and then a few years later, I actually dressed up and did my hair as Clementine for Halloween and I had the orange hoodie. So yeah, I've like cosplayed this character. I've loved this movie for a long time. It's always been in my like top three to five movies, um, of just all my favorites. So that's big. Yeah. Rewatching that's, it today, you know, it's been, a, and I've been to Montauk. Uh, I went there kind of as a pilmer, pilgrimage to the movie. So, yeah, I mean, rewatching it today, it was like really great to kind of go back and, and visit it because it's been a few years. And so much more of it hit me in even different ways than it did the first time. So, I'll be curious to see what your journey ends up being with this movie over time. If you have the, <laughs> if you have the stomach to watch it again and, and get that gut punch multiple times, for some reason, I'm a glutton for that kind of punch. <laughs> wow. I didn't, well, top three or five all time is, is big. Cause I mean, yeah. I, you've seen a lot of movies, I'm sure. So that's like, yeah, that's, that's pretty fantastic. I know you liked it that much when I saw your five-star review. Yep. I, so, okay. I, uh, yeah, I'm curious too how it's going to keep because this is only the second time I watched it today for this podcast. And I was so 
like I was so taken aback by it when I first saw it and surprised by it. Um, just it hooked me right away. And just I knew it had this like visual like flair to it because Michelle Gondry and uh, it. But it, the way that it hooked me with the characters right away with Jim Carrey and, and Kate Winslet. And today, it, like the, the surprise wasn't quite there, but the the emotional stuff was still there. And I still liked it just as much as the first time. Uh, now I'm already thinking, like, oh, God, if I go through a painful breakup, would I even have the stomach yeah. to put it on? I don't know. It may be therapeutic. I, I don't know. But um, it's funny. Yeah, because I, I think I tend to avoid kind of dramas or romantic dramas in general because I don't like to confront feelings <laughs> like yeah this is going to turn to a therapy session uh no it's like um I don't think I like to confront hard feelings like that and this another reason I put this off for so long I'm like oh god because yeah I mean it's it's funny because the idea the concept is a like sci-fi concept of having memories erased of a specific, uh, specific person and and they keep they treat it so like nonchalantly though that it's just kind of like mm -hmm. a thing that it's like getting lasik or something it's like it just right. it exists it's on par with a night of heavy drinking as tom wilkinson oh, says right. in the yeah. movie <laughs> yeah like it's just no big deal the office is not like some high-tech futuristic office it looks like my my dentist office actually is more high-tech now than this. yeah <laughs> like it's like um <laughs> It's yeah, just this very like low key sci fi concept, but just the, the, the things that start turning your mind because I, I, you can ask anybody that question of like, if you could erase a painful breakup, would you do it? And I feel mm -hmm. like I, I think I can answer that now. I don't think I would, even like the most painful breakups I've ever been through, because I feel like I've taken and learned a lot from those. I think mm -hmm. if you asked me right when it happened, when I was younger, I would say, yeah, get it, get it out. But it's yeah. like, yeah. but with time, I think I, I'm like, no, no, just leave it because I can focus on things I learned or, you know, good memories. But like when it's mm -hmm. so fresh, I think you just want it gone. So I, yeah. I guess that's a good way to open this whole thing. It's like, so how do you feel about that question about like, if you had a really painful breakup, would you want to erase it or would you just say, no, I'll keep it and, and deal with it? It's tough. Um, I'd like to say I would keep it, but I can understand completely the notion of wanting to erase it. And to me, some of the most touching little things that you see in the movie, maybe on second or third visit, is the other people that are waiting in the office, the kind of stuff that they have with them, like indicates who or what they're trying to erase. So there's a guy that has a picture of what looks like probably his son who maybe died, you know, in war or something. There's a woman that has stuff that looks like it's for her pet. And I was thinking today, like, would I erase the thing that's painful in terms of like, it was a hurtful breakup or would I erase something that meant a lot to me because it's too hard to think about it. Right. And like all those things that remind you of that person that you loved and you had so much good times with, or that, you know, animal or whatever, you know, it, walking around it's like people that say I have to move out of the house because there's too many memories here right mm -hmm. and I think it's that same concept of you know you're trying to escape those reminders not so much the person but just those reminders of like you need a fresh start and that's a concept that comes up a lot in in literature it comes up a lot in obviously psychology of you know people wanting a fresh start tabula rasa right and like we just even the new year is kind of that in its own way of like hitting a reset button there's something in our human nature that we have this you know perhaps misguided idea that if we could just reset everything we could do it right this time and i think this movie goes about questioning that notion 
that's very well said. Yeah, it's like people think they could, if you just erase, you know, all of it, it's, is that really the, the best thing to do or, and then it makes me so sad because I, I didn't even catch, I watched it twice now, I didn't catch the things in the background and people trying to, because I was thinking purely as relationships being erased, but I think about trying to erase like a memory of a dead child or a dead animal mm-hmm. or, or that kind of thing. But because, you know, they, it seems like they can only erase everything they can't pick just the bad things to erase so right, right. i i just could not give up unless it was all bad you know what i mean unless it was yeah. just like somebody who just you met and like they were just awful for most of the time but for some reason you just i don't know you fell for them and then it was like oh but it was just mm-hmm. bad after bad i don't know but i couldn't give up all the good stuff or and i can't think of anybody i mean it hurts but it's like you kind of well, I don't want to do anything, but I say you kind of have to just like let it settle. And I kind of think mm-hmm. that if you, it, everything kind of usually eases with time. It may still hurt, but it right. like, the 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 wound will not be as fresh after a while. And then if you yeah. got rid of everything, it's like you don't even have anything at that point, good or bad, because you know it's just yeah, you've erased all of it. <laughs> so I right. don't know. I couldn't do it. I can't fault anybody for uh, wanting to, but. Yeah, even the worst relationships I've been in, I'm like, I don't know. I'd still just keep. Right. <laughs> I'd still just keep it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it would be different if we were talking about like real trauma, right? Like right, if, right. if they dealt with abuse or something like that, that would be different. But for just your run of the mill, like a relationship that didn't work out, yeah, definitely not. Yeah. I was you thinking, learn of, like, from it, right? Like that's, that's the thing. Yeah. That's, uh, I was thinking, yeah, if it's been someone who'd been abused or something terrible had happened from a, a past partner who like, actually abused them, maybe you want all that just gone, you know? But it's like, in this movie, they just kind of show a relationship where they had good times, they had bad times, they fought, mm-hmm. um, said some hurtful things, you know, maybe meant it, maybe didn't mean it, you know? It's like, uh, yeah. uh, maybe they shouldn't have said it. It's just like, some of the stuff they say to each other just cuts, like, and it's been right. stuff that I've heard people, I mean, it happened to me in relationships. I've heard people fight mm-hmm. like that who are together and it's just like, oh God, like, it's like you know, yeah. it's just, it, it cuts kind of deep. So it's oh, it does. a little too real at certain points, but. I wanted to ask you if yes. you think overall Joel and Clementine should be together. Like in general, do you think that they're a good relationship if you take away the erasure stuff? Good question. And you reminded me, I should say spoilers for this movie, because I always am bad yes. at saying spoilers, but because uh, I hadn't seen it until now, maybe someone else didn't see it yeah. until now. <laughs> so um, a good question. I thought about that today because I was like, I, my instinct is that I want them, like my gut reaction is I want them to be together. Um, mm-hmm. Then I think, are they a good couple? Like I really was thinking about after this viewing, I'm not so sure. I still lean toward uh Yes, I maybe because the performance are so good and I feel like they mm-hmm. have chemistry. Um, but they seem and they seem different, but I almost think they're different in a way that could complement the other one. Where like yeah. Joel's Jim Carrey's character is so um kind of reserved and quiet, and then she's so like free spirited and mm-hmm. outgoing, and she can pull him out a little bit, and he can pull her back in a little bit because um the part where she comes home and she like drove drunk and like, you know, that's yeah. a little reckless. So he's trying to tell her like, right. you shouldn't do that basically. <laughs> like, and right. there's just times when, when he's just kind of 
too guarded and she's trying to pull him out of it. So in a way, I'm like, no, they're a good couple because then they compliment each other. Um, they could also be headed for disaster. I don't know. But like, I think yeah. I think I want them to be together. I, I do. I land on that, even though I see problems. But <laughs> I I change my mind almost every time I watch it. Like I flip flop. <laughs> Um, and I think it's a little bit of a Rorschach test of like where you are in your own relationships, maybe of like how hopeful you are that they could maybe work it out still. Um, but this time I definitely lean towards, yeah, I want them to be together. And I think, so I think about some of the other couples in this movie, right. And we do see some other couplings like <laughs> spoilers again, but there's that Elijah Wood character who obviously is complete bad news for her. Oh god. That is yeah. just a creep. <laughs> um, Patrick, baby boy. Uh <laughs> but anyways, um, so obviously that's not a good couple. But then there's like the Jane, Jane Adams and David Cross uh characters that are right. his friends, Joel's friends, and they yell at each other and they're bickering, but like they seem like overall they still get along and are, are a decent couple and I was like you know every couple probably has their things that like you know they go back and forth about but if you can just get past that and you know that about each other and you know your your buttons but you don't always push them like maybe that is you know a good scenario because ultimately again I think this movie is kind of talking about how we only bring ourselves to relationships we sometimes look for other people to solve or fix us and we that's not going to work like um clementine's whole speech in barnes and noble of like you know men think i'm a concept or i'm going to like save them but i'm just a fucked up girl looking for my own peace of mind and you know i think that's really true um but we often do like expect the other person to somehow fill in the gaps that we don't have yeah yeah i'm glad you brought that scene up too because i, I think i must have heard that quote or seen that scene out of context i think it's that little speech he gives is pretty famous. She's really like pushing back against, I think that whole manic pixie dream girl uh, yeah. idea <laughs> in that little speech. Cause like, that's how she almost seems at first, this like free spirited mm-hmm. girl with the, you know, different colored hair. And it's like, um, but she outright is like, no, I'm not that to hear, you know, here to fix you basically. And I'm not like, everyone's like looking for that. And, uh, <laughs> I think I that's one of my faults as a person I think it's like I was always like looking for that and always trying to be that person somebody else I'm like I see it's like I see someone I'm like I can fix her like I'm like that yeah. type of person like it's a flaw of mine I've been trying to work on for a long time but something about like people who I'm like I think they need help it's like a weird I try to be like the mm-hmm. white knight thing but I think it comes from a bunch of stuff when I was younger and all this stuff where I'm just like, I've got to save people, blah, blah, blah. but, uh, so I'm probably guilty of that, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, that whole, that whole speech she gives is great and it's not overly long. It's pretty straight to the point, but it gets the mm-hmm. point across very quickly and is very memorable. And you're like, okay, she makes a good point. Um, but she just seems like this person that is someone Clementine's like someone you just be attracted to immediately because she, anybody would, because she's just so like, you know, free spirited and full of life. And it's like, you know, like she'll take you by the hand and lead you somewhere. And you're like, I don't know where we're going, but it seems like it'd be fun. <laughs> like, yeah. which basically does to Jim Carrey's character uh, at, you know, it takes him around and he just follows and he kind of needs that. Cause he's a little bit of a, I guess a sad sack. I don't know how else to describe it. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like, I really do feel like they should work and I want them to, and I'm glad they are, 
that is left open at the end of the movie. Um, I don't know if you read, I mean, if you're being a fan, I'm sure you did, that there were other alternate endings and other ideas where they basically were stuck in this cycle of yeah. uh, erasing memories over and over, which would just make me sad. I don't want that to be, <laughs> you know, what's going on. Right. Well, and you sort of have a version of that with the person that's actually my favorite character in the movie, which is Mary, Kristen Dunst's character. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, of her being in love with her boss, Howard, who's married. And, you know, you find out after some stuff has happened that she fell in love with him before they did have an affair. And then she's, they say that she decided, but it sounds like it was maybe a mutual decision or she was pushed into getting him erased, but she's still working for him. So she just had the memories of him erased of like her, you know, being with him. And so you may, it makes you wonder how many times that potentially has happened, could have happened of, you know, how many times has she been erased? And um, it reminded me in a very different way, but it reminded me of Men in Black when Will Smith's like, how many times have you done that little thingy to me? Like the little flashy thing, um, you know, but it's it's that same concept of like, we repeat behaviors and we tend to be drawn to the same types of people and the same things. And, you know, whether that's something that we notice in ourselves that we're missing or they remind us of ourselves or they remind us of somebody in our past, like, we do tend to seek out those same things and have those same patterns. And, you know, as much as we like to talk about like free will, like where does free will get us if we tend to do the same things over and over, right? <laughs> That's true. That's a very good point. Cause uh, I mean, the movie kind of, it, it, I know what threw me for a loop the first time I watched it was the, the kind of playing with time aspect yeah. of, that we kind of end up back at the beginning by the end, which I did not realize we were watching when it first starts, we're watching the second time that they've yeah. basically fallen for each other. And uh, yeah, the credits aren't until like 18 minutes in or something. And it's this whole prologue. And then you kind of, and by the end, I'm like, oh, we're back here again. And it's how it plays with time and memory so well, because memories are, can be scattered anyway, especially when they're getting erased, like in the movie. <laughs> and the, the weird thing was, I, I think I people say it's kind of confusing and they can't keep up, but I felt like they do a good job of, keeping me like I, I feel like I have my footing most of the time sometimes I'm a little bit yeah. like okay is this real re in the memory is this weird? but I felt like but in the first time I watched it, I was surprised I kind of I kept up <laughs> but uh they do a good job with that and the whole idea of that these two people were going to be drawn together basically no matter what there's something either you believe in like true love and soulmates or you know just you know, just how people's tendencies are like that they found each other. They're going to get together again because there's just something there about each other that they like and are drawn to and mm -hmm. how they come back together. I So I think it's like a hopeful thing of like soulmates will end up together no matter what, if that's what you think they are, if, if you want to go that far with soulmates, but yeah, um, it's very open to interpretation. I mean, they were talking about it. So it is. And it, it, it's interesting, you know, watching it again, I, I kind of go back and forth of how, whether the ending is hopeful or depressing, right? Because if they're just going to repeat the same thing and become more and more toxic, where, you know, it's the scene of them at the Chinese restaurant and you hear the voiceover of Joel saying like, have we become one of those couples you feel sorry for the dining dead that, you know, they have nothing to say to each other anymore. And she's getting drunk and saying things that, you know, in a really cutting way. And so if that's their future, like, is it worth it? 
you know, to kind of keep going through, but then the highs of their relationship are so high and they, they do have that special bond and they're vulnerable with each other and they understand each other in a way that maybe nobody else does. Um, it reminded me this time a little bit of Before Midnight. I don't know if you've seen the Before trilogy. I still have not seen any of them. Another, okay, another well, I don't think too much like... about it. But if you, <laughs> if for people that are listening, if you've seen the Before trilogy and you've seen Before Midnight and you kind of know where uh, Celine and Jesse end up in that movie, there were some echoes of that. You know, just kind of if you think about what these two movies are trying to say about relationships, especially over the long term. Um, but what I really liked at the end of Eternal Sunshine is when they're in the hallway. And Joel's trying to convince her to just give them another chance. And she says, you know, he says, I can't see anything about you that I don't like. And she's like, yeah, but you will, you know, because this is what I do in relationships. And, you know, you're going to, I'm going to start to see you as boring and I'm going to feel trapped because that's what I do. And I just thought that was such a knowing thing, but it's also, it reminded me that at the beginning of the movie, which is really like, you know, the beginning of their second courtship. She's like, I'm going to marry you. I know it. It's a, it sounds so impulsive at the time, which is so like her. But to me, that's kind of what a marriage is, is like knowing what each other's faults are and signing up for it anyway and just being like, yeah, we're in, you know. And so maybe that is what a long term relationship is, is just acknowledging that and figuring out how to make it work anyway. Yeah, I would agree. I, I feel like uh, I've, I've said this before, I think, where it's just like. If, if you are at the point where you actually like somebody's perceived faults, then you really love them. <laughs> like, yeah. Like even stuff that, that would almost be considered like annoying or whatever, like, but you're like, I love it about that person. How they always like pick their nails when they're nervous or something, or yeah. like how they, how they do this little thing that like, they might even think they, they themselves might think, oh, I hate that I do that. Or, but then if you love that about them, you're like, oh, you really love that person. <laughs> like you're, I love yeah. all the faults. Um, which I I try to think I must I might be like an optimist, but I think that they might be like that. Uh, Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet's characters that they might be that couple who's like, even though they fight, I I mean I don't know. Like um, I was gonna say every couple has this, but I'm sure some couples are perfectly fine. But I, there's gotta be like internal monologue to yourself. Some points you don't say it out loud. Sure. It's your personal thoughts. We can just get it out where you're like, like this fucking person does right you you get frustrated sometimes and you just like we don't say it you know you just kind of like you know but then you know and then it goes on you think well I can't live without this person even if they annoy me sometimes yeah exactly I think obviously I think these two maybe need some therapy but I do think (laughs) there's nothing there that they couldn't potentially work through is my my take on it this time yeah that's what I probably need some better ways of dealing with their conflicts and she should probably lay off the booze a little but I think that they can overall make this work. That's what I think too. I think if they just worked on a couple of their personal issues and issues together, I'm like they can they can make it. And I I like at the end that they just like kind of commit to like we'll we'll try this again. Like the okay yeah. really gets me. Like just the simple of like them saying okay to each other is like we're gonna give this another shot. Um, yeah. Which is I beautiful. I take it as very hopeful, honestly. <laughs> like I I really like it. I'm just like and it leaves it open enough that. If you're an optimist, you can think, oh, they're going to make it. And if, if you are not as optimistic, you can think they're going to try, but they're going to f- bomb out again. They're going to flame out. Right. <laughs> like, so just go whichever way you want with it. I like that much better than if they had told us, like, it'd be so depressing if I, one of the things I read was like, they've done this dozens of times or something. Like, I think that a scene where like older Kate Winslet shows up to that place again. They're like, you've done like 15 of these. And it's always Joel. It's always the same person. 
um that would have bummed me out so i'm glad that doesn't actually yeah. exist so this this is so much better to me yeah for sure well it's interesting because i actually read that charlie kaufman set out to make a comedy and there are bits of this that are funny for sure um but it's not something that i would describe as a comedy so it's yeah. interesting <laughs> to hear that's what he was going for um, so I'm curious if a you think you would ever consider it a comedy, and b like what were the funny moments for you? What were some of the things that you felt like really landed in terms of the humor? Good question. It, uh, yeah, I don't. I would never call it a comedy. I would say it's like a drama with some comedic moments. Um, sure. I wouldn't even call it like a dramedy because that's too much of a mix. I feel like it's like a yeah. Maybe like a ninety ten mix toward the drama, ten percent comedy. <laughs> like. Um, I'm trying to think like I guess some of the funny stuff is the stuff with like Mark Ruffalo and Elijah mm -hmm. Wood with Elijah Wood being a creep it <laughs> just like what do you, yeah I mean that's I mean I sorry to give it the comedy thing but that is like monstrous what Elijah Wood is like that is like so manipulative to know that this woman has her memory erased and then to use the stuff that like Jim Carrey knows about her to get with her I was like this is like so awful to me <laughs> like yeah, it just i'd be exactly. so mad if i was jim carrey i'm like use all the stuff that was personal to us to get it just oh it would drive me nuts so um but their stuff is funny it's more lighthearted. um the mark ruffalo kirsten dunce it's not even like so much has comedy but it's more lighthearted. i guess they're just kind of like yeah. partying and how ridiculous they're like they're how ridiculous is they're like dancing and jumping on his bed while jim carrey's asleep <laughs> like they just right. don't care um uh i guess some of the stuff just with jim carrey and Kate Winslet, some of their interactions are more, I guess it's more like lighthearted than comedic. I can't think of a specific line, but um, like there's just like more lighthearted, fun moments, like happy moments before the mm -hmm. sadness comes. But no, no, I, this is a sad member movie through and through. I just, uh, even if it ends, hopefully there's it just right. large portions of it just kind of make me really sad. And just the idea of like, of, you know, completely losing somebody or the memories of somebody is very depressing to me so yeah i'm yeah. surprised he i mean i guess you could say out to make a comedy but it did not fully come across like a comedy at all yeah and it's funny because obviously it has one of the you know biggest comedy guys of the 90s with jim carrey in the lead role but it's basically jim carrey all the comedy of him is sucked out right like he's so yeah. low-key and so just kind of a blank canvas in some ways, like not completely. He has the the thing where he puts the ketchup on his neck to pretend like he's dead in the living room or whatever. Like he does little <laughs> stuff, but it's mostly very, very small Jim Carrey, very reined in, even more so than even like the Truman Show, which I know was another serious role of his. But even in that, like he gets to be big at some point. Yeah. And this, he really doesn't have those big over the top Jim Carrey moments. And, you know, if anything, I feel like the supporting characters not just Elijah Wood, but also, you know, like I said, David Cross, like when he's yelling, I'm building a birdhouse, that, oh, yeah. that line every time. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, but <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? Cause it's, it's just not what you would expect. And I think the fact that it plays with our expectations a little bit um, of what we think of as a Jim Carrey movie, I think that's another reason why his performance works as well as it does too. But you saw it this year. You've seen some more more serious Jim Carrey roles. I'm curious if it had the same effect for you. You know what's funny? What other one I hadn't seen till this year was The Truman Show. 
Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I like, I guess I like my Jim Carrey, usually goofy, like talking out his butt like an Ace Ventura. Sure. He's, sure. He's, no, no. He's, I was going to ask you about this too, because it came up, I think, on a recent episode, movie episode, funny enough, about Robin Williams. I believe Patrick was talking about yeah. like, he likes Robin Williams outside of like comedy mode. He likes him in drama mode. And I feel like Robin Williams, Jim Carrey, and Adam Sandler are these guys that primarily thought of as like, very goofy comics or they can't do voices and they just, you know, but then mm. when they do serious dramas, I think all three can be excellent, like really yeah. great. Um, and I, I really, it's funny. Cause it, I just, it's so crazy. I think of Jim Carrey as like Ace Ventura to the character in this movie. Cause right. so far apart, but um, I like him in both modes. I, I um, he's yeah. He's so good in this. Cause he just is so, he feels so closed in on himself. Like he's just so uh, reserved, which is not what I think of Jim Carrey being. And yeah. um, I don't know. It's funny. Cause I, I like all those guys when they're doing their comedy for the most part, sometimes it doesn't work, but like, I'm just amazed at how well they can also do drama when they choose to do it. Um, probably William seemed like he started going kind of bouncing back and forth, almost like one comedy, one drama. Um, Jim Carrey yeah, tried to go serious. And I felt like, it would work and then it wouldn't work. Like I know, um, I never saw the majestic, but I know that was kind of a notorious bomb for him, but then mm -hmm. Truman show does well, this does really well. Um, I'm trying to think what else he did was, Oh, number 23, not a great movie. Not great. <laughs> I don't need like dark gritty Jim Carrey. I want like normal guy. Uh, yeah. Jim Carrey, but uh, Adam Sanders great in like Uncut gems and, um, punch your glove. But like, yeah. um, it's kind of funny. These guys who were known such broad comics, they do these like, complete opposite I, I don't know if it works more because they're playing the complete opposite of what we're used to them being where it's almost like a, a pleasant surprise would be the wrong word but just like such a such a departure to see him like Jim Carrey like this specifically um I, that, I was saying that a lot during this I was just like him and uh Sandler and and Robert Williams being just uh so good at dramas but they don't do them as much but it's like um yeah but yeah, I didn't know if that was uh, if you had any thoughts on the, those other people or just if like Jim Carrey in this and like if you do you like Jim Carrey better as comedian or a dramatic actor, I guess is my question. I definitely prefer him as a dramatic actor. Um, I I don't enjoy the Ace Venturas. Uh, my boyfriend <laughs> loves them. So that is always a point of contention between us. However, like I can appreciate why it's funny to people, but it wasn't funny for me. My the one that I do love of his that well, two that I do love of his that are complete, you know, bonkers comedy. I do love Dumb and Dumber. Like I love oh, it. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I love Liar Liar. Like those are my two. Oh yes, big yeah. <laughs> over the top Jim Carrey performances that I can't get enough of. Um, but overall, I'd much prefer this mode or uh, Truman Show. Like Truman Show is another one that I absolutely love. And it's funny you mentioned Adam Sandler because, you know, this came a couple years after Punch Trunk Love, but I associate them in my mind, not just because the score is by the same person, John Bryan, oh. but also because, you know, again, like Adam Sandler was doing something unexpected in Punch Trunk Love of taking this more serious role. And it's also a little bit of an indie, even though, you know, it had a studio behind it. So I do kind of, for some reason, associate those two in my mind. And I have thought a lot about, would we have 
been as drawn into these movies and to these characters if they were played by a traditional drama actor? Or is it because it was, a, you know, somebody we see as more of a comic that our guard was down and then it kind of snuck up on us? I don't know. It's an interesting thing to think about. Okay, yeah, that's because that's what I was thinking too. I'm like, is that, not like that's why it works, but does that add like an extra layer to it that makes yeah. it more interesting? Um, and yeah, I I love both of them in this movie. I mean, the, the whole cast is pretty good, but the, I mean, they're they're the whole show, Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. Right. And I feel like their chemistry is so good. I think I read something about how they were doing like uh, videotaped rehearsals before they actually did the movie and they were allowed to improvise, I guess, a lot. Or a lot of that stuff that wasn't even a script they kind of came up with because they were just talking about past relationships and yeah. all these things and i really it really comes across in the movie like there's a, that's i think i want them to be together i think they have a genuine chemistry and i can see it and i'm like you guys should be together <laughs> like, yeah um and they're both so good i uh i saw she was nominated for best supporting actress he was not nominated for anything which i don't i i'm like i don't know it's like how do you do to me, one without the other is like in this movie, right. especially it's like, but that's the Oscars. You know, we don't know how they do. Things. It's the Oscars. I mean, I love them and hate them at the same time. Always. Um, I guess I <laughs> can't yeah. help myself. Um, but I, I do think both of them should have been nominated. And I absolutely think that Kristen, wait, uh, not Kristen, wait, <laughs> that Kirsten Dunst should have been nominated as well. Like to me, she is the emotional core of the movie, even though she has such a small role. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I wish that she, but at least the, the Oscars did get one thing right because it did win best screenplay. So I'll give them that. I, yeah. I was going to say they got that right. So um, yeah, I the mean, Oscars have a love hate thing too. It's like, I, cause I'm like, when they get it right and I agree, I'm like, great job Oscars. Like you did it, but then when right. they mess it up, I'm like, you sons of bitches. Like, they, like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, it's my sports team. Cause I don't really care about sports. So the Oscars <laughs> are my sports team. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So um. Uh, yeah, Kirsten Dunst. It's funny because I remember the first time I watched this, and they they go off on this kind of subplot with her and Tom Wilkinson. And at first, I'm like, my first thought was kind of like, wait, why are we even even talking about this? Because I was so focused, laser focused <laughs> on the Jim Carrey Kate Winslet story, and I'm like, yeah, no, I don't care. It does obviously kind of play a big part in the resolution of the movie. Because Kirsten yeah. Dunst is so burned that she finds out that she's had her memory erased for who knows how many times. Like you said, I that one I do feel like has been more than once for sure. With yeah. how many times her memory's been erased, um, that she goes and and gives people back their tapes and information. And it's funny because you think like that's a good thing, but then it immediately sabotages the start of their new second relationship, or, or could potentially do that. But you're like, no, yeah. don't play the tape. Like I, I think I'm with who says it in the car someone's like don't play this I'm, I'm like yeah don't play it turn it off <laughs> yeah. like you don't need to yeah. hear that like that's just the kind of stuff i'm talking about with like you may say stuff about your partner just internally or to somebody else because you're venting mm-hmm. and they should never hear it and it's right. like it's just like listen it's like i it, they may love the person but it's like sometimes you gotta just get stuff out or say stuff and yeah, that's it. Just it breaks my heart to hear them even have to hear that stuff about themselves because it it, it right. stuff hurts. It's like the person you love the most, and they're just like, oh, they're they're boring, or he's saying about her, she's he the uh, thing about sleeping with people, like she just impulsively. Right. Well, it's like, oh my god, it's like this is not. Right. No one should hear this. <laughs> like, exactly, it's so painful even just overhearing it, like in the movie. Right. Oh, <laughs> then you can't imagine being those characters hearing each other's tapes 
or hearing your own tape that you made and being like, yep, I'm going to go back to being with that person, right? Like, that's what really, to me, shows that like love or whatever is overcoming everything because they've really just heard each other saying the worst possible things and they're still like, yep, this is the one for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like kind of in a crazy situation where it's like, we both had our memories erased, but you know, it's like, let's start over. Like they've been hit with a lot of information very quickly. It's like this yeah. whole procedure and uh, the stuff they said to each other. Um, yeah, it's rough. It's rough to listen to. Like you said, I'm like, ah, I don't want to be, it's like being around for a couple that you know when they fight and I'm like, I, yeah. I got to get out of here. I'm like, get me out of here. <laughs> it's like, where's the yeah. door? <laughs> um, right. One thing I want to ask you about, because I'm curious uh, about Charlie Kaufman's work. Cause I was actually talking to a friend of mine, my friend, he's funny. Cause he made the point. He's like, I, I like like every Charlie Kaufman written movie, but he mm -hmm. hates the two Charlie Kaufman directed movies. Even Synecdoche, New York, which I have not seen yet, but I feel like is this beloved kind of uh, movie. Mm -hmm. I did not like I'm Thinking of Ending Things by Charlie. I didn't either. I couldn't finish it. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. Makes me feel better. But it's funny because, yeah, I was looking like what uh, with Charlie Kaufman. It's interesting that like the stuff that I've seen of his that he's written, I really, really like the the one thing I've seen direct I did not like. And from what I hear, uh, Synecdoche, New York is kind of similar from it's one person's opinion but you know it's like i i wonder if you might know more than me i don't know if like maybe his material is better interpreted by somebody else maybe he's too close to the material when he directs i don't know like um because i yeah i've liked the stuff that he's written but it's just like uh i just thought that was interesting because he he his scripts seem to have so much of his personality still in them like i remember right. that was a writer you don't know a whole most people know a whole lot of writers' names, but he was a writer whose name I started to know because he was writing all these movies that were getting a lot of attention. And he's very yeah. unique. Um, I don't know if you were like a fan of him more overall or just, is it just this basically? <laughs> it's like... Well, I really love Adaptation. Really, really love that movie. Yeah, and I also really love being John Malkovich. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, Anomalisa was my favorite favorite film of 2015 it was definitely in my top two or three um so I like more than I don't the only one that I really didn't like was I'm thinking of ending things but this is for sure my favorite of all of his and um I think it was a perfect melding of like his ideas but Michelle Gondry's execution because Gondry is also a very sort of dreamlike whimsical filmmaker and so I think those two work well together um, I almost feel like Kaufman is, you said he sometimes is too close to the material and that might be true because it works for this movie because it's meant to be dreamlike, right? He's in his own subconscious. And that's sort of the same case with like being John Malkovich, we're in somebody's head. Um, but I think when you get to, for me anyways, I'm thinking of ending things that is also kind of dreamlike, but in some way it didn't work for me. I just couldn't follow the dream logic and I wasn't enjoying myself. And it was like, you know, it was like listening to something that's avant-garde and it's supposed to be good, but it just doesn't, it's not fun to listen to. So <laughs> yeah. um, this is maybe just me being like <laughs> admitting that I'm not some sophisticated, you know, cinema mind, but I just, I found Eternal Sunshine to be much more human and approachable. And I just couldn't really relate to I'm thinking of ending things. Yeah, that was my problem with that was it felt like 
it, yeah, it felt like there's a real distance in that movie, like a cold kind of mm-hmm. keeps me at arm's length where it's like, I feel like I get sucked into Eternal Sunshine like immediately. And that could be down to yeah. the performances and um, the subject matter of, you know, relationships. I don't know. But yeah, I think anything's felt like, I'm like, this feels very, I hate if there's word around, but it felt very pretentious to me. <laughs> it yeah. felt very much yeah. like, I was like, what am I? It's like, yeah, it's just like not a pleasant experience and too, right. too avant-garde for its own good, possibly, you know. Uh, yeah, I feel bad because I know a lot of people love that movie and like really, really connected to it. So it's, I'm sure it's just, you know, a personal thing, but yeah, right. it wasn't for me. Yeah, <laughs> could be the same. I don't want to, yeah, if you like it, you like it. But for me, I just, yeah, I had yeah. the same thing as you. I really, I finished it, but it was not a pleasant experience. I'm like, I'm like, oh, let me get through this. Um, And we should mention Michelle Gondry because he's a big part of what makes this movie so unique. Um, with He's doing so many different things. <laughs> like the, yeah. so many different styles being thrown out here. Um, I mean, I don't know where to start because he does, it felt, it feels like he's, just experimenting with everything. I know we did a lot of music videos back in the day. Um, yeah. Very creative. I see a lot of that here. It's almost like he's he could direct a bunch of separate mini music videos in the movie. Like um, I would today, the forced perspective stuff when Jim Carrey's yeah. like going back to like his young memories is so cool because I know they did that all practically. I believe like a they lot did. of the stuff was yeah, done they practically like in camera effects for that. So. Yeah, there's some some cool making of stuff on the, the special edition DVD that I have and um, definitely worth tracking down if you get the chance. Oh, yeah. I know it's got a 4K release, too. Oh, from, yeah. no. <laughs> from Kino, I think. And I don't know if all okay. that stuff got ported over. Um, but I hope so. I might have to pick that up because yeah. I was just thinking today, rewatching it, like, this probably looks better on Blu-ray. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, the whole Force Perspective sequence when they're younger, I love the sequence when he's basically thinking of when he's a kid and they both are kind of dressed like like kids and they kind of revert back and forth and uh, yeah. doing all that. I read something like, because you hear Jim Carrey and Kate Winston's voices over the kid voice, they were like there, I think, doing the dialogue, like watching it. So it felt more mm-hmm. like they're reacting to what the kids were doing, doing the dialogue. Um, there's so much, I mean, like all the stuff, there's like a scene where Kate Winston like gets pulled away into like the darkness and this all this like um yeah. these the stuff at Barnes Noble when like he kind of like pulls the the background away or kind of uh, blacks out like I mean it's a hard it's there's just so many cool things and it's obviously this a audio uh, format but it's like if people see that they know what I'm talking about do you have like a favorite sequence or like just cool effect that you like in this that he does oh. I know it's probably yeah. tough it's, you could have your pick it's, it is tough um I do really like the the early childhood memory where they're both taking a bath in the kitchen sink because I know that they had to build a set that was like a, a giant kitchen sink that was basically the size of a tub to accommodate like two adults. I do love the way that that looks. And, you know, even just the fact that like he's trying to find a place to hide her. But I also think he's going back to memories that like comfort him because ultimately like she does comfort him. She makes him feel safe. And so I do really like that sequence. But then I guess the other one that I have to mention is, you know, all the stuff at Montauk, especially the house where, you know, okay. they're running through the house, starting to fall apart. And, you know, I, I really love just kind of seeing that disintegrate because I've often thought about, like, I, I feel like I have pretty, a pretty good memory, but like certain things have faded over, over the years. And I worry as I get older, like, what am I going to forget? What memories are going to be gone or, 
distorted and, you know, like, what if I get dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever? And like, you lose that part of yourself. Um, so I think just seeing it play out in such a, a real tangible way, it kind of plays into those, those fears of like losing our memories, even if it's not through a process like this. Yeah. I, I, had not thought about that that much. I was so focused on <laughs> like the movie and the process, but uh, I mean, I feel like I already have a bad memory, so I'm already <laughs> I'm already <laughs> scared. But uh, and I imagine a lot of what I remember is probably uh, me not remembering it right because I think we all kind of do that sure. to a certain degree with our memories. I talk to friends all the time, like, oh yeah, you remember so and so did that, and they were like, they didn't do that, like this other person did that. I'm like, wait, am I mixing right. up? You know, and. Yep. Oh, it's, it's already scary, but it's like, yeah, just the idea. Yeah, like you said, beyond having some kind of procedure done of like losing memories of people you love. Um, it's very sad thought. And just, I do, I'm glad you brought that sequence. I, lo I love that sequence in Montauk. And that's my favorite like, part of the score. The music mm -hmm. in that scene is so good. And I love how, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave. I, that's what I do. I leave. And she's like, what if you tried to stay? And like, um, yeah. if, what if you did this? I, they're both so good in that scene. And like the whole, like the house is ingrained around them. And um, that, yeah, that really, that stuff all really, really hits. And I'm like, oh, it's like, I love this movie. So it's so good. Yeah, exactly. And by that point, I've definitely been sobbing for like a good 10 minutes. So I'm just like, everything's disintegrating and I can't see it because of my glasses being like fogged up with tears. <laughs> it works out well so. yeah, yeah that part got me I know it's it's quick I, I don't think I I'm not sure if I even cry not to sound cool I think because some things happen so there's a part where Jim Carrey's like in his car and he's really upset uh, like yeah. and, and I'm like oh had a car breakdown before after a breakup <laughs> like, yeah like I'm not sure if it lingered I was definitely like feeling it I don't know if I actually cried though it'll probably come back and get me at some point if yeah. I watch that for a breakup I'll be full-on sobbing but um it yeah, the emotional stuff hits. Why it's so funny when he was like I'm trying to make a comedy. I'm like, I, at what point? <laughs> like, you know, right, like, right. Um, because the stuff that's a real, the stuff just hits. I feel like it's just the emotional stuff really works, and it's because the acting is so good and this. I feel like they're so committed to and their chemistry is so good. Um, and it's just I feel it's one of those like almost universal things that almost everyone can relate to. It's just like if you dated a few people, you probably went through a bad, mm -hmm. painful breakup at some point, and it sucks like it is just yeah. it can be the worst and uh i think this this accurately kind of gets that pain across of like you know breaking up with somebody and then the lengths you would go to 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 make that pain stop really is what it's more about than losing the memories it's like i just want the 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 hurt to go away at a certain point because it's just right. like oh it's like just just get rid of it but um yeah it's be i'm glad i finally watched it because it's a beautiful movie i uh I've just had to put it off for so long, <laughs> but I probably yes. appreciate it more now as an adult than if I'd watch it like right when it came out because I was like 17, 18 and um, probably wouldn't work as well. And if I watch it any point in between, probably would have been right. a mess. So it's probably, yeah. probably for the best. Uh, I did what I did. Exactly. So there's one detail that watching it today, I was like, oh, I definitely want to bring this up when I'm talking to Matt. Um, <laughs> they have this game in their relationship we only see it a couple times where they pretend smother each other with a pillow and then the other one pretends they've died and uh, they take turns sorry. doing it. <laughs> what do you think that is all about? <laughs> oh, do you think there's more of a, 
like uh i don't know like it just struck me as like a really kind of messed up game to play with each other uh so i i was curious if it's just like oh this is a weird relationship quirk and we're not supposed to read a lot into it or is there more there that i'm not picking up on because it's just always been one that i'm like oh yeah here comes the smothering scene <laughs> the weird thing was i think i thought more about it when they were like portrayed as like little kids as more as of a, kids. a problem that is yeah um i didn't read much into it now you're making me think there was some like i could psychoanalyze that whole like how much how much deep-seated is there like deep-seated resentment there they don't say and they come out in that game and they're like i'm gonna kill you right. it's like, not really but i do want to sometimes it's like i yeah, want to strangle exactly. you I, I don't uh, man you make a good point um it could be that it could be that i could have thought it was like a goofy uh like game that just that one person did it one time and it became a thing because there's things like that for relationships where we do some weird sure thing one time and then it becomes like a thing um i think i took it more as that but now you're making me think maybe there's a little more to it so. so listeners let us know what you think about it if you have thoughts i really want to know like legit i'm curious yes if i'm just really more into it than there really is no you might be honest something i also want people to let me know if they would have the memory the procedure or not i've always been curious about this because right I, that's such a great hook for the movie is like you tell people the movie and then you can kind of start the conversation of like well would you do that if it was an option like because yeah. i think it'd be more I like to think most people would say, I don't want to do it, but I think it might be more even than I think, maybe more 50-50 than I, than I think. And I, it right. depends on when you ask people too, I think. Because um, if you ask me, like after a couple breakups, I would have definitely said, yeah, let's erase it. But right. but now I don't, I with distance, I don't think I uh, would get rid of any of them, but that's me being in a good yeah. place, I guess. So. Well, and it probably depends too. Like, I know there's some people I know that are like, oh, I'm friends with all my exes and other people that are like, no, I like to make a, a clean break. So maybe it depends on like what kind of person you are, you know, how you view those past relationships too, a little bit of like what kind of terms you're on. That's true. I've tried both uh, since yeah. like, so um it just depends on the person that you broke up with sometimes too. There's sure. some people yeah. who no, I broke up, up with. You. Yeah. My family and friends have been like, thank God that person's gone because we couldn't right. stay. <laughs> I just people that I still were friends with a little afterwards because it was just one of those things where it's like, okay, well, this just didn't work out. We want different things. Like, you know, mm -hmm. maybe like they don't want kids or they, they don't want to get married. They want to move around. I'm like, eh, I don't know if I want that. So it's like, right. otherwise we're good, but we just want different things. That's usually a clean yeah. type scenario but um yeah i don't know there could still be like feelings that linger too when you do that with like you try to stay friends and you know mm. relationships are messy as this movie also is a good they job at portraying that it's just it's they're complicated it's good and it's bad and it's like fights and things you say and things you don't say and it's yeah it's a whole it's a whole thing <laughs> so yeah well and as like as jim carrey's memories or joel's memories are getting erased like there's certain ones where you see them fighting and you're like, okay, yeah, I can see why he'd want to erase that. And then there's that, that moment of them like under the covers and she's talking about how she felt so ugly as a child. And he's like, oh, can't I just keep this one? Right. Of like them yeah, being yeah, close yeah. and kissing her. And, you know, it, it is interesting because I feel like then it reminded me of the hall scene where he's like, there's nothing about you that I don't like. And she's like, oh, but there will be. And, you know, when we're in a, the heat of a relationship, sometimes we're only thinking about like those really good moments, but any relationship is going to have all of it. And, you know, the good memories and the bad. So you can't get rid of one without the other. Yeah, that 
Very true. Very true. <laughs> um, can I tell you, can I tell you my one like nitpick about the movie? Yes, please. <laughs> okay. I, this is my one real like minor nitpick. Uh, cause I, I already praise the score in the Montauk scene at the end. I think this, the piece of music yep. that they put over there is great. I both times have been very annoyed by the music choice in the early, like the early train scene where they're kind of talking because that music, I find it very distracting. I think it's, I think it's two things. I think the music's like, it seems too high in the mix. It's like, it's almost it's okay. battling with their dialogue. And yeah. it, to me, it sounds like music you'd hear like in a kid's movie when they're like sneaking around the house or something or trying to get away with some kind of like, it's like, it's like sneaking music. And it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was very distracting both times. I was like, this piece of music does not work for me here. And I even read something where um, Michelle Gondry, I guess the idea was to play the score in moments they stop talking. Um, mm -hmm. But now the music plays when they're talking and stops when they stop talking. So I was like, oh, no, I don't know if I have the right choice. <laughs> that's my, that's my one. Yeah. It sticks out to me. I don't know why. It's that only piece of music that really kind of like bothers me. It's kind of like, it's like, do doop, do doop. It's not quite like that, but it's like a very yeah, like yeah, yeah. Doop, do doop piece <laughs> of music. And I'm like, I don't know. That's my, that's my one, my one grievance to air. About this movie. You're allowed to have grievances. Okay. I, I'll have to go back and like watch that scene now because I don't specifically remember noticing it, but. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm willing to to consider it. I hope I don't ruin um, it for you, you now that you're about, no, <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I love I have the soundtrack. I've listened to it a million okay, okay. times. Uh yeah, so no worries there. Um, I really love the Beck cover as well in this movie. Everybody's gonna learn sometime. Oh that yeah, song yeah. is another one that I really think what a great choice of song for this movie. And maybe it's too on the nose, but for me, it, it's a perfect song for this. No, I agree. And this time I think I was focused on song even more. And I was like, I really like this song. This is a good choice. And yeah. like, yeah, it's a little on the nose, but it's okay. It's fine. It's like I'll uh I like it. I like the song. So I forgive it if it's too on the nose. So for sure. <sighs> yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm looking at my notes and just looking for anything else. Um, I didn't make a ton of notes on this one actually, because I just watched it and I felt like I was like, you probably have a lot to say because I know you love this movie. <laughs> so um yeah, I just, uh, I figured we'd probably talk about some real emotional relationship type stuff, which is yeah. so funny because we just did Tombstone in the last episode and me and Andy did the episode. We're like, it's not really a deep movie, not much talk about emotion, <laughs> but like we love Tombstone, but it, this is like the total yeah. opposite where it's all about like emotions and real life uh, experiences and things like that. Right. <laughs> like, it's almost impossible not to project some part of yourself or your emotional or, or relationship history onto this movie, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah you I definitely mean... have to bring, you're, you're expected to bring your baggage into the, into the movie <laughs> with you. I think it's necessary. I almost warned you before we started. I was like, I may get emotional on this one. Don't still feel I was going to do the same thing. I'm very proud of myself. I literally have like a, <laughs> tissue box just out of reach just in case but I've done good I'm really proud um we did great yeah did. This is... <laughs> nobody cried yeah. a successful podcast exactly exactly no but it's it's one that I think if you are like Matt and you think you're not emotionally prepared for it like watch it anyways because I think what you'll find is that it's it's very cathartic even if it does yeah, take you yeah. on an emotional journey like, and you shed a few tears, there's, there's something in that that's also good, just like listening to those tapes um, that they listen to, like, it, it's painful and hard, 
but it's worth it in the end. And I think you'll find that if you watch this movie too. Yeah, because I'm sure like there's so many movies, there's only so much time to watch all these movies. So I'm sure other people have put it off or just have like, I'll get to it one day. Highly recommend it. It really, it, especially the first time I watched it, it really hit me like like right away. Like, And, and it was, I know a movie's gonna be special when I'm like instantly just into it. And I can't even explain why, because I felt like I was into it very quickly before part much had even gone on. But I was like, I like this. There's just a feeling of like, this is special. I like this. I'm going to really like this. And it went through the whole movie and the ending, especially the whole like last, I guess when Christian Dunst kind of gives the, from the Montauk sequence and like getting the tapes, all that stuff hit me like a freight train. I was like, Oh my God, I was, yeah. this is so good. Um, and yeah, I just, I loved it. It's I, I usually try to keep these things close to the vest. We do a top 10, like discoveries, first time watch episode, uh, this is going to be on the top 10. I guess got to give it away right now because I, I, I loved it. It's one of my yeah favorite things I've seen this whole year. Um, and yeah, it's still great the second time. I, I'm curious how it is going to evolve. It's a movie you could definitely grow with or when you watch it, the, the experience will change depending on what's going on in your life. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's so good. I'm so glad I finally actually watched the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm curious too for you. You'll have to check back in and, and let us know, you know, how it hits you <laughs> next time or you, if you pick up different things. For me, I, again, like it's so, it's such a Rorschach test of like where you are in relationships. So I would say maybe if you're, if you just got broken up with and it's the day before Valentine's Day, maybe don't watch this. Yeah, maybe not too well, Otherwise, I really think, you know, and, and there's, I have to realize like this movie is almost 20 years old. So there's a lot of people that didn't grow up with it and now they're coming of age and becoming more interested in movies and, you know, maybe thinking about checking it out for the first time. So I'm excited for a new generation to discover this. Like yeah. there was life before A24 people and it was called Focus Features. I was going to say, I was like, wait, wasn't Focus Features kind of the, the old A24? And they kind of were. Oh, totally. Like, if they put their stamp on something, you're like, this is going to be a cool indie movie that's going to come. Yeah. Yep. I thought, yeah, that's funny you brought that up because I had forgotten earlier to mention. They were like, hey, these A24 before A24, <laughs> like they yeah. put their stamp on something. You're like, it was fun to see the, you know, the previews that are popping up on the DVD before the feature plays. Oh, so I was like, yeah, yeah. I remember that one, I remember that one, I remember that one. <laughs> You know, it's it's a fun little trip down memory lane. So <laughs> that is that is fantastic. Yeah, I, I, it's it's crazy being twenty years old. I could not. I had to process that that it's going to be twenty years old pretty soon. I, 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 maybe it's just me because I grew up around that time. But it feels it has a timeless feel to me. Maybe because it's already. It feels like it's using some kind of like dated technologies for 2004 not dated but there's mm -hmm. a lot of tapes I'm like I, I feel like we're moving past cassette tapes at that point and like there's just it has this vibe of like what this could be any time to me I don't know right. like um so I feel like it would hold up pretty well for people and yeah just kind of I, I think it still is very popular like I feel like younger people watching they still think it's cool it's just a very creative experimental indie that like you know is well made and has a great cast and yeah, I don't feel like it dated itself. It doesn't have much of 2004 references in there. There's not like, <laughs> there's not right. like a lot of uh, musical cues from that. I've watched some Tiazza movies where I'm like, oh, this is very. There's no bare naked ladies on the soundtrack. <laughs> there's no, yeah, uh, no, you know, Evanescence. <laughs> much love to the Daredevil As great as that would have no made it. Well, now I'm yeah. like, going to play to bring me to life at some point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. No, I do love those time capsule movies too, but. This one is it's it's more timeless 
And I think that's something that that uh, Charlie Kaufman kind of does in his movies. I think about like being John Malkovich and it's another one where it's set in kind of like this, you know, anonymous office building with like paper files and, you know, there's computers, but it's not super digital. Yeah, I don't know. It must be something about that that appeals to him. Yeah, and even uh, I'm thinking of ending things, I think had that feel where you're like, what time is this? What place is this? Like, I'll give him credit. He's good at that. He doesn't try to like root yeah. it in a, yeah, which is good, but I don't know. Evanescence on the soundtrack could have, <laughs> could have it turned everything around. That was that was my first concert that I went to on my own. Was Evanescence? Oh wow, that's so funny. Uh, it's a big deal. Maybe you brought them up. I'm like, yeah, that was they were a big deal to me at that time. Like, yep. these guys are great. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, anything else you want to say about this? Because I don't know how much more. I, I don't really have any other notes, but I sure. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know if I have a lot more to say, but and I know you don't always do like pairings or whatever. But when I was watching, I was thinking like. <laughs> This movie would pair really well with Inside Out, the Pixar movie. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you're looking for kind of a, you know, and shout out to Lindsay, who does always the best you oh know, my God. double features. She's the, the queen Schwab of double features. Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that this movie with Inside Out would be a really good uh, double feature to talk about memory and emotion and basically just like wring every tear out of your body. <laughs> Just feel all the emotions. It's like if you feel all the feelings, feel just all get the feelings. through it. And then uh, make sure you have like your therapist number on speed dial after that. <laughs> all all good advice. Yeah, it was funny because I it was funny because I got on Twitter to post I was watching this. It's all your tweet about watching this. And yeah, it was like, yeah, podcast prep. And uh, I'd put something about getting catching up, getting all my feelings. And uh, yes. our friend TJ Mackey, that Tony Scott guy, James was like no, don't feel feelings. Feelings bad. And I was like, I don't like to do this too often. It's probably why I avoid dramas. I'm like, I don't want to feel all these feelings. Just give me like horror and action where I can just, you know, just experience, I don't know, violence. I don't know. Like, uh, but like real feelings. I'm like, ooh, that scares me. <laughs> you know, I don't but there's know. feelings in Tony Scott movies. I mean, man on well, fire. Come on. Oh, don't even get me started. I, that one I <laughs> I think I did get genuinely like emotional on the podcast talking about their last Dakota Fanny and uh, Denzel's last scene together. So yeah. I, I'll get, I'll get in my feelings, but I just, I'd be funny. I do feel like I tried to avoid like some people I know sit down to like have a good cry with a movie. I have never had that mission where I'm like, here we go. <laughs> time to cry. Like, yeah. I'm like if I hear something might potentially mess me up, like uh, I'm like, Ooh, let me avoid that for a while, which I did with this movie for sure. a long time. And you know, but this paid off when I finally started to watch this movie. So it worked out. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but yeah, well, I, I guess that's it. But thank you so much for coming on and talking about this movie that you love so much. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much, Matt. Um, well, yeah, thanks again. And I'll do anything you want to plug. Uh, maybe why Twitter um, still is an active website. <laughs> if Twitter exists, then I'm on it at Rosalie Lewis. Um, I you already mentioned F this movie and Blu-ray boutique, so thanks for those. Um, I was recently on Anthony King's cult movies podcast talking about the Maltese Falcon. So if you haven't checked that episode out, it's a fun one. And um, the next Blu-ray boutique podcast that we're doing is going to be on Twin Peaks: The Return. So I'm in the midst of cramming for that one, and it's been very fun to be back in Lynch world. So, yeah. I uh, yeah, I do love David Lynch. You might need to talk to David Lynch at some point if you're interested. To yeah, come back on. I, I still haven't talked about him yet. He's one of my favorite directors. So yeah, the that the Return is amazing. So is it the part where you've actually watched the Return? First time. Oh, okay, okay. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on it. So yeah, um, it is it is something. That was like one of my first like COVID watches too. It was like oh, I finally watch all the Return. 
And I was like, this is crazy that he got away with this on like Showtime gave him the money to make (laughs) this crazy thing. (laughs) Yeah. um, Love it. So, um, well, thank you again so much. And for our stuff, um, yeah, still on Twitter, uh, as long as that's still an option. Um, At my personal Twitter is MapLed, at MapLed87. Um, The podcast is at FilmFeastPod. You can follow me on the podcast on Instagram at FilmFeast, all one word. Um, I think that's it for this week. I think we'll be back. I say, I think, I think we'll be back maybe in another, like a week or two. Uh, and then I only have like two more episodes for the rest of the year. So I'm kind of taking it a little easy with the holidays. Um, and I won't spoil what those are, but I think, <laughs> don't be alarmed. We're still around. Just taking it a little lighter on the schedule, but, um, but thanks everybody for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Bye everybody.